in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Through him all things were made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Good morning, how are you? That's a bit loud. Well, like a good teacher, an agricultural teacher this morning, I've brought some props for you to just look at. Okay, So make sure you take some observance for these. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you for this day. Father, thank you that we can come before you now and hear from your word. Lord, I pray that you'd calm my nerves and uh, just help me to listen to you and that I may learn and that we may all learn and how to grow in our faith and walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, have you seen the wanted posters? You've seen all those around town. You remember seeing in the old westerns, you'd go in the films, there'd be the wanted posters. Ned Kelly, Ben Hall, Jesse James, they're all wanted men. Jesus was a wanted man. Uh, However, it wasn't Jesus they were after. It was bread that they were after. Let's be realistic. The, the crowd had just been fed and they wanted more. They were hungry, physically hungry. They were concerned about filling their bellies with more fish and more bread. Now, I'm talking to you today about food. And I, yes, I brought my props in. But uh, at the beginning of each school year, when I start uh, my classes, being an agricultural teacher, I ask them a couple of key, very important questions. What's their favourite farm animal? Where were they born? Because how many of you were born in Darwin? None. Oh, one lady. Fantastic. Another in the early service. There was just me. So that's an important thing, the link that I can be able to, to match up with the kids. Where were they born? But the second and most, oh, sorry, the third and most important question, I think, is what's their favourite meal or food? What's yours? Mine would happen to be a toss-up between spaghetti, roast lamb that my mum makes, and or banana cake that I've now taught my wife how to make, and she makes a pretty good banana cake as well. But food that is shared with others uh, is a great starting point for relationships and lifelong memories that we can share with one another and tell stories about for years to come. Like when I was on a year five music camp, And yes, I did play musical instrument many, many years ago. Wouldn't remember too much how to play the trumpet now, but we went on a year five camp down to Adelaide River, just south of Darwin. I can't remember the music that we played, but we had a mashed potato and peas fight. There was potato and peas going everywhere, all over the the dining room that we had there at the shed. But it was a great camp. It really was. Then in a bit further along down, down time, I started working with Youth for Christ as a missionary serving in Darwin, and I was asked to travel to Warburton in Western Australia to facilitate an adventure-based uh, team-building camp for Indigenous young people and their families. 
I asked a good friend of mine, one of my local board members, Ian Morris, to come with me. And he had a, and he's still got, he's still around, an incredible knowledge and experience working with Indigenous people, recording and documenting their native and traditional foods and languages, as well as, um, that's particularly in the northeast Arnhem Land where he was working. But Warburton is about a thousand kilometres east, sorry, west of uh, Alice Springs, and about 1,459 kilometres east northeast of Perth, just on the edge of the Gibson Desert. So we were literally in the middle of nowhere. Has anyone been to Warburton? One lady? Fantastic. Yes, Barry and Lars, fantastic. It is in the back blocks of Australia, on us, but it is, fa- it is fantastic country. If you, ever, if you ever get the opportunity to drive through that area, the countryside there is spectacular. The colours, the landscape is beautiful. It really is. Now, Warburton had a, pop- had a population of around about three to 400 people at that time. We were dropped off at a culturally significant site where we spent five, da- five days camped in the desert, helping uh, the Warburton elders and family go through some pretty tough issues with their children. When it came time to leave, we packed up our camp gear and swags and put it all on a couple of vehicles. There was no room for passengers at that time because a couple of cars hadn't come back to collect us. So the elder said, right we're just going to walk back to town. So off we go. We didn't take the tracks, however. We just went cross-country, straight through. They knew where they were going. I was just following their lead. And as we walked, the elders started breaking off some branches of the local mulga trees and it appeared to me that they were eating the bark. It wasn't until I, the children and adults showed me what they were actually doing. They were carefully sucking and licking the small insects called the red mulga lerp, which is this particular little animal you can see there. And they live on the outer branches of the mulga tree and they exude a honeydew-like substance to protect themselves from animals, but they can be sucked straight off the branch and was soaked in water to make a, a drink, a sweet drink. It was sweet and very, very Moorish. In fact, we were heading that way. There were a group of multiple trees over that way. We diverted to that bunch and the other kids were just diversing all over the place to find these mulga trees that had this red uh, mulga lerp on the branches. We, must, we could have got home probably in a few hours, but we spent half a day traversing the countryside backwards and forwards, stopping at us, dragging this branch through our mouths, eating this manna-like substance. It was beautiful. It was nourishing for us as we walked through the desert towards our pickup point. It was one of those things that you hope that you might get to repeat sometime. It was beautiful. Our passage today is quite a long one, uh, and we will start reading through that, and my lady up the back there is going to scroll through us as we read it's from John chapter 6 the bread of life and we're going to start a little bit earlier in verse 22 the next day the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat they realized Jesus had not gone with them several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? 
Verse 26, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want me, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs, but don't be so concerned with perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking eternal life from the Son of Man that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say, Moses gave them bread and heaven, from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of those he has given me, but I sh- but that I should raise them up on the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see the Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph and Mary? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? Jesus replied, stop complaining what I said. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. As it is written in the scriptures, they will be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father. Only I, who was sent from God, have seen him. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, that will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I offer, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, he said. They asked. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. In verse 26, Jesus' response 
of that passage was to point out that physical food, like this bread, and the fish that they had eaten only satisfies for a short time. If not eaten, it deteriorates quickly. I was hoping to bring some mouldy bread, but it was going to take a little bit of time. And with the preservatives that they have in bread nowadays, a bit like the McDonald's ad from years ago, you know, you hear about people storing up a McDonald's burger for a year or two and it looks exactly the same. This is good bread. Smells delicious. But the food that God now offers through his son doesn't perish, and, but endures and gives way to eternal life. The crowd, not pleased or understanding Jesus' response, asked again about wanting food, now offering to work for the food. They had received their previous meal from Jesus free of charge. So they thought, well, we'll just pay him some money and uh, we'll work for that. We'll work for the food. Surely Jesus won't deny us the opportunity to work for their food. Wrong. Jesus tells the crowd that they can't work for the food that he is offering. The food that Jesus offers is eternal fulfillment that only God can give. All the work that they need to do is believe. The word believe or believes occurs over 50 times in John's Gospel. The first time Jesus uses the word believe is in reference to God's salvation plan when he was talking to Nicodemus. Nico met with Jesus under the cover of darkness to ask Jesus about Jesus' authority to perform miracles. Have you noticed that when Jesus is asked a question, he doesn't always answer directly. He answers, with the, he answers the earthly question with a spiritual response that more often will not, that he means that he's concerned with, his, with their spiritual concerns for them. So I've just missed my point here. He'll respond with a spiritual question as he is not concerned with the needs of the body or earthly possessions, but he is concerned with the person's spiritual direction and eternal salvation. With Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus saw straight through Nico and goes straight to the point. Salvation by works is not the go. In Nico's Jewish religion, the Jews had to work for their salvation, live by the commandments and the laws that the Pharisees decreed. Jesus told Nicodemus that he had it all wrong. All he had to do was believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. All he had to do was believe. Back to our passage in verse 30. Again, not happy with Jesus' response, the crowd asked for a miraculous sign so that they could believe him and who he said he was. Give us a sign, they asked, just like Moses did when he provided the manna in the desert for their forefathers to eat. Jesus rebukes the crowd at this point, correcting them that it wasn't Moses that provided the manna, but God the Father, Jesus' own Father that gave the manna and now gives his son as true life-giving bread from heaven. In verse 35, Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Today, with so many foods to choose from and, and uh, many choices to make of what to eat or not to eat, certain foods either because of health benefits or cost or allergies such as gluten. 
in Jesus' day, the foods were not, were not highly processed they, as they are now. Time was not a factor. When they were making bread, they had all the time in the world. There was no, no pressure is what there is now. Bread was a staple part of a person's diet. Whether you were a king or a slave, bread was on the table at breakfast, lunch or the evening meal. Bread was a symbol of life and breaking bread together was key to sharing that, being able to offer the bread to your friends and to your family and to the new people that you were meeting. Jesus taught very clearly that he knew about the importance of bread. The food we consume with our bodies provides energy for our bodies to live by. And in the Lord's Prayer that he shared with his, God, with his disciples, he, Jesus acknowledged that we need food to eat and to sustain our bodies. We to ask God, our Father, for bread that we need for today. Note that it is bread for today, not for tomorrow, not for next week, Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is concerned with our relationship with God, the Father, in verses 36 to 40. Jesus declares again his relationship with his Father, that all he is offering and all he gives is all from God the Father. Jesus is only concerned with doing the will of his Father, that of revealing God's desire for man's relationship to be restored with God. It is by believing in Jesus who brings all who believe in him to his father. At this point, the crowd now identified specifically as Jews are probably located in or around the local synagogue as referenced in verse 59. In verse 41, the Jews now challenge Jesus' claim that he is the bread that came down from heaven by pointing out that they knew of his earthly living, earthly life living under the roof of Joseph and Mary, trying to discredit Jesus' claim from being sent from his father. Again, Jesus redirects their thinking from earthly horizontal relationships to the more important vertical relationship with God. And all, as God is the source of all life, and all who call upon the name of God will be saved. Now, this claim, sorry, in verses 47 to 58, Jesus again repeats his claim that he is the bread of life. Now, with greater emphasis, that not only is he the bread of life, but unless anyone eats his flesh and drinks his blood, you cannot have eternal life. Now this claim of Jesus is often misinterpreted as that we need to literally eat his flesh or drink his blood. That cannot happen. It has, been also, it has also been misinterpreted to suggest that by some magic power, when we consume the bread or wafers and drink the wine or grape juice, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, it turns into the flesh and blood of Christ. This is known as transubstantiation, a false teaching taught by some religions. This declaration of Jesus is reinforcing that all life is from God. God alone is the giver of life. And the life, and to have this life, we need to believe in Jesus. Have Jesus within us totally. We are to have him in every aspect of our lives, dwelling within us wholeheartedly. Let Jesus provide for our strength and sustain us for each day. Jesus and his word is our daily bread. 
that we need to take part of and feast on every day. Not just small portions, but feast on it. We need to remember that no matter what food we may consume, it won't give us spiritual strength or endure to give eternal life. Having religion or belief in spiritual things or beings will not give us eternal life. Being a good person and doing good to others will not give us eternal rewards. There are many ways to Jesus, but only one way to God, and that is through Jesus, to believe in him and the one who sent him. In verse, 40, in verse 45, is referring to the prophet Isaiah 54.13. Jesus says, as this is written in the scriptures, they will be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. The way to God is revealed to us by God drawing us near to him into a relationship with Jesus. In 1 Timothy 4, sorry, 1 Timothy 2 verses 4 to 6 reveals the will of God who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. How did the Father demonstrate his love for us? Again, John three sixteen and 17. For this is how, sorry, wanted. God wanted everyone, wants everyone to be with him. And this is how God demonstrates and shows his love for us, that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have, every, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. So what does believing in Jesus look like? It is to believe and trust in the words of Jesus. Walk close to God by reading his word daily, spending time with him. Just like we like to have relationships with the people around us, we need to spend time with them, talking to them, learning about them. We need to learn about God and allow him into our lives. Have fellowship with other believers, praying to our Heavenly Father. These are the actions and choices that are manna or food that God uses to sustain us while we live on earth and will give way to eternal life with God the Father. If we are to survive this 21st century that challenges the faith we have in Jesus and survive the global pandemics that cause some to fear the world around them, we need to feast on God's word, read his word daily and truly believe what he says in his word and have faith in God's son, the giver of life. Jesus is the true bread of life that will sustain you and enable you not just to survive but to thrive. We are made for an earthly existence, but an eternal existence in relationship with God, our Father, our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus. We don't have to do works. Father, we don't have to have some secret magic potion. Father, all we need to do is believe. Father, I pray that you would help us today to believe in you, to trust in you. Lord, you want us to thrive in this world around us. Help us to take part of the bread of life, Jesus, 
as our Lord and our Saviour today and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.